Welcome to the sermon ministry of River Community Church, a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana. Our purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org. Mark 4, 1 through 34. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no, yeah, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. The word of the Lord. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, before we get started, is it Laurel or Yanny? What is it? Different frequencies? Okay, all right. Uh, If you haven't heard about this, if you haven't heard Laurel or Yanny, you are the soil on the path. Let's just settle that up right now. This is a big thing that's been going on since, I don't know, Wednesday. But everybody's listening to this file. Some people hear Laurel, the elect. Other people hear Yanny. And I don't know what to tell the people that hear Yanny. Except listen hard, okay? That's the, uh, that's the point. 
Hearing is important. Our passage listed off more than ten times the word hear. It's kind of the point of this passage, this section of Scripture. Hearing is important. But we need to recognize that hearing reveals to us that two people can be hearing different things in the same message. Many think they have heard something when they haven't, or misunderstood what they have heard. So the question for us today is, what are you hearing? How do you know you are hearing correctly? The question becomes critical when we consider the gospel message. For us to be saved by the gospel, we must truly hear the gospel. Listen to Paul's words in Romans chapter 10, 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. If we are to be saved by the gospel, we must be sure that we have truly heard it and that we heed it. This is Mark's concern in our passage today. The text is is looking at the fact that Jesus has been preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. He has been calling people to repent and believe, and he has been going through Galilee, but he has not been getting a uniform response. Some people uh, are coming around him as a crowd, Some people are coming close to him as disciples, and others are coming to him to test him and to condemn him and to challenge his message. The reason that Mark uh, puts or, or focuses on Jesus' teaching in parables and the particular parables that we have in this passage is because Mark wants to address the reason why the same message is yielding much different responses much different hearings. So Mark's gospel today is going to tell us the importance of hearing and why different hearings are happening. Mark's text presents something to us that is quite significant, quite serious and monumental. He is presenting this this text to us and showing us that there are three consequences of the preached gospel in the world. Now that the gospel has been preached the responsibility falls upon us as hearers to respond to it appropriately. Our text today is going to reject a lot of popular contemporary teaching about what it means to be saved. Our text today indicates that there are many who think they have heard the gospel but have not. There are People who think that they are saved based on what Jesus teaches us here, who are not. We live in a world where the gospel has been preached. And so it is critically important that we make sure that we have heard it correctly. And if it was true in Jesus' day, it is true today. There are four soils. And I do not... I say this with, with fear, but there are probably four soils in this room. There are four different hearings. This is a hard text to preach. The text is going to present some hard truths, some hard sayings of Jesus. And the temptation for some of you will be to close your ears, to throw it away. The challenge is to listen carefully, to process, and allow these hard teachings to press us from superficiality into the fertile soil where the gospel bears fruit. Do you know that you have truly heard the gospel? Do you know for sure that you have heard it correctly? There isn't a more important question for us to be sure about. And so let us now look at this text and consider the three consequences of the preached gospel in the world. First, we're going to look in detail at the parable of the sower. So we're looking at verses 1 through 9, 
and verses 13 through 20. We'll spend most of our time in 13 through 20, which is the explanation. But the first consequence of the preached gospel in the world is this. The preached gospel requires our fullest attention. The preached gospel requires our fullest attention. Now again, to to make sure we understand the context of Mark, we have just come out of a major confrontation between the scribes of Jerusalem... We have seen Pharisees come and test Jesus on the the meaning of the Sabbath. We have seen a plot for his life develop. We have also seen Jesus being surrounded by increasingly large crowds who are seeking him for healing, who are fascinated by his message or by his presence or charisma. And we have also seen a, a group, an inner circle form of disciples. Within those disciples become the 12 apostles. So we have seen all of these different responses to Jesus' message. And at this point, Mark brings Jesus' teaching to the forefront to help us understand what is the meaning of all of these responses. And so Jesus begins to teach in his favorite style, which is in parables, which are stories that have symbolic significance. The definition of a parable is actually quite difficult and uh, Uh, Those who have gotten their dissertations on the definition of a parable don't agree with the previous definition. So I'm just going to tell you it's a symbolic story that may or may not have a lot of symbolism and may have little symbolism. But the point is, it's a symbolic story. And we're in good company with the parable in front of us today because Jesus actually interprets it for us. So we don't have to worry about me going off the rails in some allegory that doesn't make any sense. So this parable he teaches is often called the parable of the sower, but as I think we go through this, we'll see it's it's probably better to call it the parable of the soils. There are are three main elements in the parable. There is the sower, which Jesus identifies as the one who preaches the word. And in the context of Mark chapter 4, Jesus is the sower. He is the preacher of the word. There is the seed, which is the word or the gospel that he is proclaiming. And then... There are these four different soils, and these soils represent the hearing of that gospel message that has been sown by that preacher. Now, we can tell by the the, the distribution of of the parable that the focus is on the soils. The explanation focuses on the soils. There are four. There is the path. There is the rocky ground. There is the ground that has thorns in it, and then there is the good soil. That's too early. Can we pop that back up? I don't want that up yet. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Not over there. All right. Uh, there are, uh, so there are these four soils. But if we look at the text carefully, we will also see that those four soils break into two groups. The first three soils all have one thing in common. They are unfruitful. None of those seeds arise to the point where they bear fruit. And when it is seed that you're sowing, it's fruit that you're seeking. So all three of these first soils are unfruitful. They do not take the seed and bring it to fruit. Then there is the other uh, soil, the good soil, which is a key word. The, The word good usually should direct the listener to what the Lord wants us to focus on. But there is one good soil, and we know it is a good soil because it bears fruit. This division into two groups is confirmed by the fact that there are six seeds thrown in this parable. There is one seed thrown on the path, one seed on the rocky ground, one seed in the thorny ground, and then there are three seeds that are thrown In the good soil, one bears 30-fold, one bears 60-fold, and one bears 100-fold. So we have three unfruitful seed and three fruitful seed. All of this is to help us understand clearly what this parable is teaching. Now we can go to the picture. The sower sows seeds, and there are really only two places it falls, unfruitful seed or fruitful seed. 
So there are three soils that are unfruitful. And when they are unfruitful, the meaning of this parable becomes clear. The fourth soil is the only one where the seed is truly received. Because it alone bears fruit. And that is why it is the good soil. Because it receives the word. It shows it has received the word. Because it bears fruit. And the other three soils show that they are not good soils. Because though they have heard the seed, had the seed upon them, have even received the seed, they never bear fruit. And so the seed actually has no success in that soil. Now this challenges modern evangelical preaching. There are many of us who have been told, if you have ever heard the gospel and said yes to it, regardless of how you have lived your life, regardless of whether that makes any impact or change in in how you are or who you are, if you went to a young life camp and you got a buzzed feeling in your heart and you said yes to Jesus and then went back to living like everyone else in the world, it's okay. You're saved. If you have come down the aisle from an appeal from a preacher who told you you need to repent of all of your things that are are sinful in your life and come forward and say that you accept Jesus and you do, but then you go back to all the things that was true about you beforehand, they'll say you're still saved. But that's unfruitful. That's on the side of the soils that do not receive the seed. And so there is a major crisis between what most evangelical preachers will tell you you need to do to hear the gospel and what Jesus is telling you in the parable of the sower. He is telling you that only the seed that falls on soil that bears fruit has truly heard the gospel, can truly have assurance of salvation. That turns... Many of what we have been taught upside down. It's not a card that you got at a revival that tells you you are saved. It is whether or not your life shows the fruitfulness of good soil. So let us now look more carefully at each of these soils. And this is a call for personal examination and discernment. The unfruitful soils, the soils that receive a bad hearing. First, we have the seed that falls along the path. We're told that immediately birds snatch those up. There's immediate rejection. They, they don't listen to the gospel. They put the headphones in and do not pay attention. They are snatched, it says, from Satan. The, the, the seed that falls on the path is not using their ears right now. Their stomach is taking charge. When's lunch? When's lunch? That's what, that's what Satan wants you to do, to focus on worldly distractions so that you do not hear what God wants you to hear. He wants you to put all your attention on your stomach, all your attention on your worries, all your attention on everything else that's more important today than hearing this word. That is the word being snatched And there is no fruitfulness, there is no salvation in that soil. Then we see the rocky, the rocky ground. The idea is that from the surface the soil looks fine, but underneath it there is gravel, there is rocks, and so there is nowhere for the root to go. It receives rain, it germinates, but the root cannot go down into any soil, so all you see is external growth. It grows up quickly, it looks Uh, impressive, it looks joyful. But then the sun, the scorching sun, comes. And it burns that that, uh, plant before any fruit is born. It shows quick growth, it shows quick excitement, but it does not have any perseverance. When difficulty and persecution come, it falls away. Mark Strauss, in his commentary, describes those who live in this area this way. 
The message sounds good and is welcomed with joy, but it never penetrates beyond a superficial level of faith. It is based on emotionalism or is inherited from family, but it has no roots of its own. For these, church is a nice social club to meet and develop friendships. The essence of Christianity is being a good person and helping others. Or supporting patriotic American values or a conservative social agenda. The idea of radical commitment to the kingdom and its mission remains an alien concept. Then we move to the third soil, which is the thorny soil. And again, what appears to be the case is that that seeds of plants that grow thorns are in the same ground that is being sown the seed of the gospel. So from the surface, you can't see. And so what happens in the thorny ground is the seed germinates. The seed puts down roots. The seed pops up above the soil. The seed grows. It grows further and lasts longer than the other two seeds. But then the thorny branches begin to grow too. And the thorny branches come up and choke that seed, that plant, before it ever bears fruit. You see, it it goes the longest. It lasts the longest. It walks alongside the plant that is going to be choked by the thorns, and the plant that is in the good soil looks exactly the same. They grow up side by side. But it's what happens later when the thorny branches begin to circle around that plant that reveals it's also unfruitful soil because it is filled with thorn branches and thorn plants. And so, when we look at the thorny ground, we are talking about the person who hears the same gospel, receives it, continues for a while, but then falls away. And why do they fall away? Look at verse 19 of your text. Verse 19. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches... And the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. This is a person who at one time had a very compelling faith, had a very compelling testimony, lived a life in the church that looked like a dynamic believer. But then the money problems became more important. The success in the world's eyes became more pressing. And their contribution and their visibility in the faith and their time in the word and their time in prayer and their fellowship in the church is choked out because they've got to get the extra hours for their job or they've got to have the extra hours at the party on Saturday night. Or they've got to have the pleasures and the excitements and the desires and the deceitfulness of riches. And before too long, they've disappeared. Do not be fooled. That is unfruitful soil. That is not a saving hearing. If we have our faith without transformation, our faith without self-denial, our faith without a true heart for Jesus, our faith without commitment, a faith that tries to negotiate worldliness with faithfulness, we are acting like rocky soil. But the good news is there is good soil. The good soil falls and there is true hearing. 
This in the parable is saving faith. We see this not just by the the way that the different soils behave when they receive the seed, but by the very words that are used. When we get to the fourth soil, the word hearing is an active hearing. The other hearings were more temporary or moment in time. I heard the gospel. The fourth soil hears the gospel and hears it again and reapplies their ears to listen more deeply and more intently upon the message of the gospel. Their hearing is like somebody who loves classical music. Most of you have probably heard Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Have you heard Beethoven's Ninth Symphony? But if you love Beethoven's Ninth Symphony... You hear it again and again and again. I have probably 15 versions of the Ninth Symphony because I want to hear how every conductor brings out the nuance of all of these markings of Beethoven so that I can hear and hear that Ninth Symphony. I have gone to see it live so that I could watch how it happens. Because I want to hear it. And when I say I have heard the Ninth Symphony, it's only a matter of time before I will hear it again. Because my life loves to hear it. And that's the fourth soil. The fourth soil wants to hear the gospel again and more and deeper. Show me more notes of the gospel Show me more application of the gospel. Show me more of the mission of the gospel. I want to hear. They do not leave church and say, I heard a sermon. They think about that sermon and the week that they're going to apply it into their lives. That is a difference in hearing. It is accepted, it is received with joy. It is taken as Lord over them. When we, we to, to understand perhaps how the good hearer is different than these other soils, Garland is helpful in his commentary. He says that the good hearer welcomes the word immediately so that it cannot be snatched away by Satan. The good hearer welcomes it deeply so that it is not withered by persecution. The good hearer welcomes it exclusively so that other concerns do not strangle it. That is a substantially different hearing than what we see in the first three soils. But here is what we must not mistake and must not miss. It is the fourth soil and only the fourth soil that is described as fruitful. It is the only one where the seed actually accomplished its purpose. A seed that does not bear fruit is failed seed. Seed that bears fruit is saving seed. And so, the fourth soil is the only one that bears fruit. And this is our ground of assurance. The gospel is received when we see it bearing fruit. That changes the calculus entirely. It has nothing to do with whether you've walked forward. It has nothing to do with whether you have scrawled, I I accepted Christ at Youth Life Camp. It's whether or not your life is bearing fruit that is the testimony of saving faith. What is fruitfulness? What is fruitfulness? Well, first we can see from the the parable it involves perseverance. All of these other soils fall away. They show that they are not going the distance. True faith shows perseverance. It, it, It faces the deceitfulness of riches and it chooses the gospel. It sees the desires of the world and it chooses the gospel. It sees persecution and it sticks with the gospel. It perseveres. It is seen in obedience. The word of God is something that you hear and want to apply and want to be transformed by. Peter in his second epistle gives us very clear understanding of what it would look like to be in the fourth soil, to be confirmed in the fourth soil. He says in chapter 1 verse 5 this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. 
For these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That describes the hearing of a good soil. You want to hear it. You want to understand it. You want to apply it. You add to it virtue. Virtue and knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. You see, when the gospel has been truly heard, it transforms. It bears fruit. Your resemblance is no longer the same after you have had the gospel take control of your life. Worldliness loses. Godliness grows. But you might be thinking, well, what about faith alone? Isn't it just believe in the gospel, faith alone, and you are saved? And can't we say that faith alone describes the second, the third, and the fourth soil? Don't all three of those soils claim that they put their faith alone in Christ? And if that's true, shouldn't that be saving? The error of that thinking and the error that the modern church continues to impress upon us is that the word faith is not just I believe. The word faith is a commitment word. It is a covenant word. Faith alone is like when the groom says to the bride, I do. Saving faith is I do to Jesus. And there is nobody who says, I do, and stays the same. You no longer resemble a bachelor. You're a married man. You no longer resemble someone who is free to do whatever they want to do. You are committed to living to fulfill the needs of your wife. Saving faith is I do to Christ. And that is exclusive. That is faith alone. Let us go back to a passage that we read last week so that you, you hear it in another way. Jesus uses another metaphor in John chapter 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. Like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. You see, the image of faith is abide. It means to be vitally connected to Christ, so that the sap, the life of Christ, flows unhindered all the way through you. And you know that sap is flowing through a branch, Because it brings out leaves. It brings out fruit. The sap doesn't stop halfway. If there is sap flowing through you, connected to the vine, it will go all the way to much fruitfulness. And so if you look at the end of your branch, there's no leaves coming out, there's no fruit, there's no cherry blossoms, whatever. Quit deceiving yourselves. You are a dead branch. You are not abiding in Christ. And heed the warning. Those branches will be thrown away. Those branches will be gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. That does not sound like a saved branch. An unfruitful branch is not a saved branch branch. But fruit, that's scary. But let's look at it the other way. Fruit is assurance. How can you know that you're, you're in the good soil? Because you can see the fruit. You can see bearing 
a good testimony. You can see perseverance. You can see the, 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 dis, the, the, the shrinking of worldliness in your life and the growth of godliness. You can see that and have assurance. And I want you to recognize as we look at this parable, the soils are descriptive, not deterministic. And why do I say that? Because again and again, Jesus wants us to hear. He wants us to hear because there is a determination in how we hear bases what soil we prove to be. It is not deterministic. You can have assurance. You can reject the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world and choose Christ, and you will find yourself bearing fruit just like good soil. The fourth soil is not closed to you if you're not bearing fruit today. It is open to you through the, through the uh, applying your faith into your life and persevering. And so the command to hear is where it all falls. Look, it's the same seed. It's the same sower. It's different responses. Why? In this very room, there are some people here who are furiously writing down notes so that they can hear this message again and again and apply it. And there are other people who are here who are bored who are distracted, who are waiting for it to end. Which soil does that reveal you to be as you hear the word preached? Listen, the word calls for our fullest attention. The world has decided as a, as a combat to this to turn us into cats that chase laser pointers. You've seen a cat with a laser pointer? They just go berserk. They chase that light everywhere. They can't focus on anything. The light's back. And they chase it. And you can distract a cat for an entire day with a laser pointer. But here's the thing. If we come to church, if we come to the listening of the word like a cat, we are not going to hear We have been made to behold starry skies and wonder at them, to listen to the ninth symphony and behold it. I say this to get your attention. God's word is not for pussy cat ears. It requires your fullest attention. And the consequences are huge. Are you being the best hearer you can be? Number two. The preached gospel accomplishes God's purpose. So in the middle of the parable of the soil, Jesus is interrupted by his disciples who come to him, and I think they're thinking, hey, you know, Jesus, um, your message is missing the mark for a lot of these people. There's just a whole bunch of them. They they ain't getting what you're saying. Could you break it down, be a little more simple? Can you uh, fix your message to hit the audience? Because there's a whole bunch of them. They're just just looking like cats with laser pointers out there. Look what Jesus says in verse 11. He said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that... They may indeed see but not perceive. They may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Whoa. What did Jesus just say there? He says that part of the reason he preaches in parables is not just to reveal, but also to conceal. His message, lest they, some of the people who are hearing him, should turn and be forgiven. This is one of the hard sayings. This is a shocking saying. Part of Jesus' teaching is to conceal, to prevent hearing. Why might 
this be true, why might God be concealing? I guess before I get to that, we need to recognize Jesus is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6 when he says this. So this is something that God does. He did it in Isaiah's day, and he's doing it again in Jesus' day. Why might God conceal? Well, there are at least two reasons that that are at, at hand. First is for judgment. Remember the context. We have seen these Pharisees come to Jesus and ask him questions and and quiz him about the Sabbath. And as they watch Jesus heal a man with a withered hand, instead of recognizing, my goodness, God's power is in our midst, they say, my goodness, a Sabbath breaker, let us put him to death. And last week we saw the scribes from Jerusalem come to Jesus And they begin to say, you know, Jesus is not working with the Holy Spirit. He is working by the power of Satan. He is an agent of Satan. He is not from God. And Jesus says, if that is what you believe, you are committing the unforgivable sin. You are calling out of full knowledge what is truly good, absolute evil. And so, part of Jesus' parables are for judgment. These people who have chosen to harden themselves from Jesus' revelation are getting what they ask for, a harder heart, a more concealed message, a more inscrutable Jesus, one that makes no sense to them. So like in Isaiah's day when the people refused to listen to God, God is withdrawing their hearing as judgment. So there is judgment in concealing, but also there is salvation. There is actually salvation in God preventing these people from hearing the gospel and turning to be forgiven. You might say, how is that possible? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 with me. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What does that mean? If the rulers who include the scribes from Jerusalem and the Pharisees and the Romans and the Sanhedrin, if they had had the knowledge of who Jesus really was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And if the Lord of glory is not crucified, we are still in our sins. So you see, God conceals and hardens, but that does not prevent his purpose. His sovereign purpose of salvation actually turns the hard-heartedness and the unhearing of the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin into our salvation. Now think about this before we get upset that Jesus taught to conceal knowledge. Because he knows what's happening. He knows that the knowledge that could save him from the cross could be given to these people and he'd be saved from crucifixion. But because his purpose was to lay his life down as a ransom for many, he spoke in parables to conceal it from those who had to crucify him. It is out of grace and love that he has concealed this knowledge so that he could lay down his life, so that all who believe in him can have their sins forgiven and experience everlasting life. What amazing riches are revealed in the counsels of God in Scripture. We need to recognize from this point that the word always accomplishes its purpose. The disciples are looking at this and they're saying, people aren't getting it, they're not believing. We've got people that are confused. We've got to change the message or we've got to change how we teach it or preach it because it's not being effective. Jesus' answer is basically echoing what Isaiah tells us in chapter 55, 11. My word... Uh, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Jesus is saying, 
His word is not entirely and only to create understanding and salvation. Some of it is used to confirm people in their judgment. Whether people respond with faith or they respond with hardness, the gospel being preached is not being ineffective. It is still doing its work. As the old proverb goes, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. And so let me ask you this. Is the word being preached transforming you as it renews your mind? Or is it confirming you in judgment as your ears get more and more disinterested in it? As I speak, what is God's word doing in you? Pay attention, Jesus says. For the ears that you give, God will reward. Look back at verses 23 and 24. Verses 23 and 24. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What is, what is Jesus saying here? If you are sitting here and you are listening and you are trying to understand and trying to apply, God will reward you with more grace so that you can understand more. But if you are sitting here frustrated, fatigued, bored, God will make that word more boring to you. He will give you what you're asking for. He will give what you are applying your ears to. You're either applying your ears to hear more or you're applying your ears to hear less. And God will give you what your heart wants. And so let me ask, Are you applying your ears to the message? Number three, the preached gospel finally grows God's kingdom. Jesus finishes his teaching by giving two additional parables of growth. He talks about a farmer who sows a seed and sees his garden, his plants come up regardless of what he does. He doesn't understand how it happens, but slowly but surely the plants grow and the plants come to full ripeness. And he also tells the parable of the mustard seed, where the smallest possible seed is sown, but turns into one of the largest garden plants, a plant large enough that the birds of the air can nest in it. These two parables are telling us that the preached gospel, despite appearances, despite setbacks, grows God's kingdom. In the first, the farmer shows us that the kingdom grows, it is gradual, but inevitable. And the mustard seed shows us that even though it seems small and insignificant, it grows to grandness. The point then is that despite the appearance of little response to the word in Jesus' day or in our day, the word will certainly bring in the kingdom. Human obstinance and resistance cannot stop the kingdom from coming because it is God's will. But I say this with excitement because if you look around, the preached gospel is growing the kingdom. We can see its growth. We started with a band of 12. We are here 2,000 years later and there are hundreds of millions. There are billions of people who call on the name of Christ. If you are praying with uh, the, the Smiths on the Muslims outreach, you will have read this this week. We are in the midst of the greatest turning of Muslims to Christ in 14 centuries of Muslim-Christian interaction. More than 80% of all the Muslim movements to Christ in history have occurred in the past two or three decades. Do you know that in Asia, in 1900, there were only 22 million Christians, but now there are more than 400 Do you know that in Africa in 1900, there were only 7.5 million Christians, but now there are over 500? The seed is bearing fruit. The kingdom is coming. No eye can miss it. 
The end is approaching. That ripeness that the farmer is waiting for is appearing. Will you be counted in it? Have you put your faith in the gospel to go back to the beginning? Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Are you paying attention to what you are hearing? Jesus preaching calls us to our fullest attention. The preaching of the gospel accomplishes God's purpose and brings in God's kingdom. Now, I recognize as we stand here at the end that this message might have frightened some of you. Perhaps it has perplexed some of you. However, I hope that this message calls you into true assurance and great faithfulness. Do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? If you do, the scriptures make clear you will be saved. But it also makes clear that the one who puts their faith in this gospel will not only be saved, but will bear much fruit. And that fruitfulness is for your assurance. The parable presents a beautiful picture of fruitfulness. A little seed that hears and receives the gospel will bear fruit 30, 60, or 100 fold. This will not only be bountiful fruit, but it will be fruit that lasts. So let me ask you, when all the riches of this world have vanished and all that is left is the fruit of the kingdom, which do you hope you have given your life to? Do you want this fruitfulness? Then call upon the name of the Lord to make you a fruitful disciple. I want to conclude with these words that tell us, all of us, whether we are in the second, third, or fourth soil, or the first soil, what we can do. To be fruitful disciples. Luke eleven nine. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Call upon the name of the Lord and He will save you. He will seal you with His Spirit. And He will assure you with great fruitfulness. This is good news to all who hear it and believe it. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon from River Community Church. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana, whose purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org.